Hey, hey, any youth leaders out there? Serving with youth in the church is probably one of the most enjoyable callings, but it brings with it a lot of responsibility. How do we effectively lead this rising generation? Well, I have good news for you. Leading Saints has organized the Young Saints Virtual Library, where we have 20 plus hours of presentations all about how to lead youth. We cover topics like how to help youth transition into adulthood, how to help them avoid loneliness, how to handle smartphones in class, and we even go over scientific data about how Latter-day Saint youth differ from other youth. If you'd like to review the Young Saints Library at no cost for 14 days, simply go to leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. While you're at it, we'll give you access to all of our virtual libraries that cover several leadership related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of an of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're, uh, they're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. All right, we're jumping into this How I Lead interview with Justin Sorensen from Muncie, Indiana. How are you, Justin? I'm doing great today, Kurt. How are you? Good. Now, we've been, man, we've been connected, it seems like, for years. You've been, you've been in the leading saints world for a while, right? Do you remember how long ago you've been listening? Well, shoot, it probably would have been at least 11 or 12 years ago, probably. It was back when I was serving as elders quorum president of my ward, and nice. you were publishing some information about home teaching and things like that, and, and that kind of hit my radar as I was trying to become a better elders quorum president and cool. started following you back then. Nice. Now, just put yourself into context. What, uh, born and raised, what do you do in Indiana, all that stuff? Yeah, sure. So I was uh, born in Utah, and then we moved to Tennessee when I was about nine or 10 years old, and then lived there for a couple of years, and then moved to northern Indiana when I was 12, and grew up there, uh, served my mission in South Korea, came back, and uh, went to school at Purdue University, and uh, got married while I was there, and me and my wife have lived in 
basically central Indiana for the last 23 years as I've uh, moved around from a couple positions. Nice. And I actually had the opportunity to visit your stake out there. Uh, hopefully, President Horowitz is, is listening. Uh, he was a great host to me and uh, allowing me to do a, a fireside there. And then just, I think I interviewed, I'm trying to think if I did any, it was so long ago if I did any interviews while I was out there. But uh, nonetheless, it was fun to experience your the, the spirit of your stake. And I'm sure it's still awesome, right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. President Horowitz is still serving as our stake president, does a great job and had a fun night, uh, fun time there with coming over and doing that um, uh, fireside that night. Uh, yeah. What was the exact title of it? Is, is God disappointed in me? That's right. Well, I guess something stuck, huh? That's good. I sure did. It was good. good. Awesome. Well, and you, uh, how long ago were you released as bishop? So I was released after serving for about six and a half years, uh, two months ago. Nice. Very cool. And uh, now you're on to bigger and better things, right? Any I am. So three days after I was released as bishop, the temple president called and said, hey, do you want to be a shift coordinator? Oh, nice. <laughs> I'd already been serving as a, serving in the temple. I, I was able to have that opportunity to serve in the temple as a worker while I was serving as bishop also. And then uh, they've also called me to serve as the stake young men's uh, stake young men's camp director. And then uh, my ward just recently called me as the, the youth Sunday school teacher. Awesome. Now, anything worth noting, just your transition out of that calling, because uh, I think that's something that we try and talk more about on Leading Saints. It probably doesn't get talked about enough in general, but because we serve in these roles for so long, it becomes such a part of our identity that we feel often lost or we flounder a little bit after. What was your transition period like? And maybe you're still in the middle of it. I am absolutely in the middle of it still right now. Yeah. So it's uh, very different, you know, especially uh, because in my opportunity, um, I initially served as elders quorum president for a few years. And I went from elders quorum president to being a bishop's counselor for a few years. And then I was bishop for six and a half years. And and so that time frame of being involved at that level of the ward was was over a decade. Yeah. And so to, to go from that to, uh, quite frankly, nothing. Um, as far as that goes, the involvement, the weekly meetings, the interactions with individuals, it's a big change and, and something I'm still adjusting to and still kind of finding my place and and how do I fit into it, and including even attending elders quorum yesterday for just the second time in the last decade uh -huh. <laughs> and, and understanding what it's like to be there and interact and how I can be a contributing member of elders quorum as a member of that quorum rather than as a leader that stands in front of everybody or, or has direct responsibility to to take care of others. Yeah. Yeah, really tough stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, as, as I do, I send out a weekly newsletter and explore different topics, usually giving uh, my opinion in, in various related to certain topics of church leadership or church culture or whatever it be. Um, and one topic I've spent some time on of just sort of digesting myself in my own mind as far as how do we understand this and approach it, but it's the dynamic that the the bishop has with the youth and with the ward. And we've often used this term, you know, and for decades that the bishop is the father of the ward, right? And obviously that there's, that's not written down in any handbook. I don't even know where that came from or what it means or whatever, but, you know, and, and I've found that there are these two ends of the spectrum formulating one being like, no, the bishop should definitely still be involved, at least to some extent. Yes. They're focused on the youth and, and, and doing those things, then others are just saying, no, that's, it's all youth or nothing. And anyway, so it's, it's worth discussing. And you, you responded back with a, your approach of how you navigated these waters as a bishop. And I thought, man, this would be fun to get you on the, the podcast and, and talk through. And so anyways, how, how would you articulate just the, the 
overall concept of the bishop's role and and maybe what we get wrong? What's a good jumping off point? Well, I'll hesitate to say that we get it wrong, but I'll just speak to <laughs> the inspiration that I felt. And, yeah. you know, that that inspiration went back to even to President Monson when when he was our president of the church. And, you know, I I hesitate to say this out loud, but uh, one of President Monson's favorite stories was about how he went out and he visited every single widow in the ward. I think Uh everybody's familiar with that story. He talked about that ministering and and I love it. And I love that that he felt impressed to serve that way at that time. And I'm sure he was greatly strengthened the widows in that ward. And it was something they needed at that time. But every time I heard that story, I I felt this guilt start to settle into me um, of why am I not doing this? But then as soon as I felt that guilt, I thought I'm not doing that because I have an elders quorum and I have a relief society. I have home teachers and visiting teachers um, that uh, quite frankly, they need those opportunities to be out there touching base with those individuals. And so each time he told that story, I kind of had this this back and forth feeling of of where do I fit into this as a bishop and, and how should I be serving? And, and if I feel prompted to go this direction, why why is my prophet, why is my president keep telling me this story over and over? And so those mm-hmm. are kind of some of the early, early thoughts that I had as I um, considered just exactly how I should be serving. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the, in in that Bishop role is just, it can be so daunting and you know, you're the holder of the keys, right? And there's this feeling of like, I've got to be everything to everybody. And if I don't, I'm failing somewhere. And and then we overwhelm ourselves and, and it's exhausting, right? It is absolutely. And I just, I I felt like, especially at the time, so if we're putting in this in context, um, you know, this is 2006, 2007, when I'm early on in in my bishop uh, responsibilities. This is prior to all of the great big changes that we had come in, right? And that was one of the unique things of my services that started back prior to to any of the changes happening all the way through just the last two months. And so when I started serving, we still had high priests and elders quorum. We still had three hour church. We still had all of these things um, that were happening. And and I just, I already felt those um, promptings that we needed to be shifting these responsibilities from a bishop to the elders quorum and relief society, where they have these um, responsibilities, where they've had hands laid on their head. Um, and they've been called and set apart to fulfill these responsibilities. And so it was really interesting to go through that time period and, and already feel some of those promptings and then see as the church kind of more formalized and structured some of those responsibilities and start talking about it a heck of a lot more than they had before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the, that I hear from a lot of, you know, uh, bishops or bishoprics or other members of the ward who feel like, man, that I don't, I don't know if the, or Bishop striking that balance of those, of those two worlds or they, or they don't, you know, we know we're supposed to delegate to the elders quorum, but we don't know how to do that or what that looks like. Cause you know, what if sure. transgressions are involved or, you know, there's all these technicalities that sometimes surface that I don't know how that does that. So let's just pretend we're doing it and move, move on type thing. So, um, so do, do, should we go into just your approach with, with the youth? Cause that has been the, the overarching message of the, the, the Bishop, you know, with the recent changes should be more invested in uh, the relationships with the youth and and whatnot. Uh, Is that, how how did you go about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to put context around my service, because I understand that every, every unit is going to be different and every bishop needs to seek his own inspiration on how he's going to 
to approach this and, and handle it. Um, for us, located in Muncie, Indiana, uh, we're about an hour northeast of Indianapolis. Uh, our congregation, you know, over the course of the time that I served as bishop, we we varied anywhere from a low end of, of a very low end of 80 people in attendance up to the high end around 140 people in attendance. Hmm. And uh, typically over the course of that time in our youth program, we probably had about 20 youth is the average number we had, maybe 10 of them being in young men and 10 of them being in young women um, over that period of time. So that's kind of the, the size of group that I was looking at. Gotcha. And um, as I sit down and look at kind of how we structured it, I think we can split it up. You know, the three leaders, we have three leadership principles that were presented to us as they started to roll out the new youth program a few years ago. Um, they talked about being with them. They talked about letting them lead and they talked about connecting them with heaven. And so just as I walk through each of those steps, so first of all, uh, just to be with them. So we did, we, do all the, we did all the normal things that everybody should be doing. We had a bishop's youth discussion, and you know, we scheduled that the first Sunday of every month. And we'd hold that in the evenings. We had our weeknight activities. For us, they were Tuesday nights. Um, we did presidency meetings. Now for us, presidency meetings, uh, we chose to just hold those once a month. So we held those on the third Sunday of every month right after church. Um, and my thought process on that, I know if sometimes we listen to the training and they encourage us to meet frequently for presidency meetings. But again, because of the size of the group that we had, my feeling was if we had a, a formal presidency meeting once a month outside of church, then when we got together with the youth on that second and fourth Sunday, we could dedicate some of that 50 minutes to reviewing some of those presidency meeting items that we needed to get to, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So again, our quorums were small enough that each of the youth had a responsibility. And so just at the opening of our discussions, each of those youth could review their responsibilities. You know, who's going to be blessing the sacrament next time? Who's going to be in charge of the activity? All those kind of things. Um, and so even though we didn't formally have three presidency meetings a month. We had one formal one and kind of two informal presidency meetings. Yeah. Um, and, just and those are presidency meetings, minutes. presidency meetings with the youth, right? The... Sorry. Yes. So that's with okay. the youth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one of the big things, a part of being with them um, was we chose to serve as, especially once the young men's program, uh, once the young men's presidency was dissolved, um, we chose to step in and fill those roles ourselves. And so as bishop, I, I stepped in and filled that role as the, the young men's president working with the priest quorum. Mm -hmm. My first counselor served as that first counselor of the old young men's presidency, and he worked with the teacher's quorum, and our, our uh, second counselor in the bishopric worked with the deacon's quorum. And we stepped in directly to those roles. We would call advisors as needed to help us provide too deep leadership. So for most of the time while I served, uh, we were able to combine the quorums. Uh, again, just depending upon numbers, we'd have the deacons and the teachers quorum met combined for, for six or eight months or however long it was we needed to, just because of numbers. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to have one or two kids showing up to an activity on Tuesday night, and, and it's just them. So we just... Uh, we move that around based upon the numbers that we had. And so um, for most of the time, what we had is the three bishopric members served as the young men's presidency. And then typically we'd have one advisor called mm -hmm. and that one advisor would kind of step into whichever group needed that second uh, person for the two deep leadership that we yeah. needed to have. And, and typically and, it's, it's often sort of the thing, like we know that there's no more young men's president, but we sort of sometimes 
function the same with, well, we've called just three advisors and in spirit, they're sort of the, the old young men's president, right? And so nothing sure. really changed. We just call them differently. But I love this approach of you You really took some ownership of saying like, no, 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 we're not just calling advisors as a, as a uh, young men's presidency in practice. Uh, we're really taking this over and stepping into these roles and then using them as an advisor, right? Absolutely. And, you know, again, I, I has, this is one of those things I hesitate to say out loud, but when I was sitting there in general conference and I heard the announcement that the young men's presidency was dissolved, I breathed a sigh of relief because here I had been struggling with as a bishop, as a bishopric, we're supposed to be involved with the youth, um, but I needed to do that through a young men's presidency and then through to the youth. Yeah, and my room managing them, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and so uh, we had young men's presidency. Was doing a fantastic job. I, I worked with them wonderfully, but it, it just always felt like I was that one step removed um, from working directly with the youth that I felt like I needed to be doing um, more. And uh, the young men's presidency at the time, they were extremely gracious. They allowed me to be around as much as I wanted to be, and they accepted that. Um, but quite frankly, to to be able to interact with the youth more directly, um, that's something that really spoke to me as soon as I heard that announcement in general conference, right? Imagine probably some people when they heard that announcement, uh, it might have scared them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and was there anything specific you did in order to do that? Or was it just like sort of a mental framing of like, I'm going to take more accountability? Or was there anything you did to really communicate that to the advisors that they weren't just another, you know, a, a young men's presidency in spirit? Uh, when we extended the calling to them underneath that new um, structure? Yeah, or just anything you did specifically to communicate that? Um, just, uh, no, I, I mean, I think it was very clear, um, just based on the way we led and the responsibilities we laid out, um, the advisor still had responsibilities. Uh -huh. So for example, uh, before I was released, we had a, an advisor called to help me serve with the priest quorum and, and his responsibility was to make sure he was communicating with the youth throughout the week on, on what the activities were coming up and who has the activity and, and is it lined up? Do you need any help? And, and things like that. So I think just by the nature of how we set up the responsibilities it was it was pretty clear right away that our bishopric is going to act as that young men's presidency and, and we need you here to help support us in supporting those youth yeah awesome so anything uh with this first principle of be with them that we we haven't covered as far as how you how you did that Sure. So a, a big piece to being with them also is communicating with them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's so frustrating because we have so much technology and it should be so easy to communicate, but it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. not at all. Um, <laughs> we went through several various stages when the, the Circles app came out. We gave that a try and, and tried to implement that. And that just didn't work quite right for the, the group of youth that we had at the time. Um, the two best ways that we had to communicate people uh, with, with the youth uh, was one, just a standard text message, a group text message. Um, that worked well for, for a certain group of our youth. But then actually over the last about year or so of my service, I had a group of priests um, that we set up a Discord server. So as mm -hmm. I talked with them, um, you know, what's the best way to communicate with you guys? Uh, they immediately said, well, we're all on Discord. Yeah. So and Discord is like an app, right? Like, uh, it is. It's an app. Similar to like Slack or things like that, right? Yeah, I think it's big for the video gaming community from what I understand. <laughs> and so oh, that's okay. why all my youth were already on it. Oh, cool. um, but uh, but one of the youth, he set up a, a Discord server specifically for our priest quorum. And I wow. actually ended up really, really liking that app um, to be able to communicate with them. We're able to add and remove people very simply. And we could always make sure we had a couple of adults on the communications. And uh, so it, it just worked out really, really well. I was pleasantly yeah. surprised with it. And, um, and the idea is that you can you can make general announcements or you can make groups that 
you can speak to specifically or it's exactly. a little dynamic that way, right? Yeah, yeah they, they, they call it a Discord server and we have all the all the priests who are in that server and we could add our advisor in there and you can set up channels within that for specific topics. So we had a topic for the lessons, you know, who's teaching the lessons coming up, what another uh, another channel for the um, activities coming up. Of course, one of the young men set up a channel for memes. So we had a meme channel. Absolutely, they did. And so just communicating with them constantly is an important part of that being with them, um, nice. being readily available to be able to answer and, and go back and forth and talk with them um, in a safe space uh, was super important. Yeah. And I just love that approach of you, you went to them and said, how do you want to communicate, you know, as a, as a body, uh, rather than, I think most people just default to a group text or a, you know, a group me, which, you know, it seems to work to, for some people, but it's interesting to hear other organizations like yours, try some other apps and things. Yeah, it was great. And, um, that was, especially with that discord server, I, I probably had the most uh, interaction with the youth when we were on that platform for that time. Awesome. Yeah. What else with uh, with being with them? Uh, I think that covers all the, it, okay. there's everything else. You know, we, we do the interviews that we need to do as a bishopric and, and all those. Yeah. Um, but the, the big part is just putting yourself out there and, and letting them know that you're there to be with them. Yeah. Um, when you're there at their activities, when you're there at the stake activities with them, um, just, there's just a real trust that you start to develop with those kids by being there with them. Right. Anything you'd say as far as how you approach your, those interviews, you know, the, the routine interviews, is there a specific question you, you'd ask or ways you go about it that would be worth mentioning? Um, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> we're just, just we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're talking with them so much. And I think that's one of the things that's unique is um, when we sat down to do those interviews or, you know, when I sat down to do those interviews with them, it was just another conversation we were having. It wasn't a big event for, quite frankly, it wasn't a big event for them because yeah. I was with them and we talked with them so much. There was just another conversation that we had. And so just another opportunity to sit down and check in and kind of see where you're at. Uh, what can I help you with? Is there anything that all that I can do to help you be a better follower of Christ? Awesome. All right. Next principle is let them lead. Uh, this is the, the big question a lot of people have is, uh, I don't know how to go about that. Do we give them too much autonomy? Not enough. And so how'd you go about it? Well, I'll start off by saying what the kind of what the gold standard was that I had in my mind of what letting them lead looks like. And this is what I trained my my young men's and young women's presidencies on and bishopric later on. But kind of the gold standard of letting them lead is uh, the ideal situation would be that a youth leader would not have to say a single word on Sunday or Tuesday nights. So kind of in my mind, I have this scenario where I show up to church, we have a young men's discussion happening, and things are running so well, and everybody knows what's going on so much, and there's so much interaction with the young men that I don't even have to say a word. I'm there present with them, but they're running everything. And same thing on Tuesday night, that, that I can show up on Tuesday night, and the activity's already been planned, they already have the assignments, everybody knows what's going on, it's their activity, so they're running it. And all I need to be is sitting in the background and watching and being ready to provide feedback when we're done with the activity. Hmm. And, and so and I would imagine that involves a lot of talking in between those meetings, right? <laughs> with oh, the absolutely. Or, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with, with that being the idea, then, then really Sundays and Tuesdays should be kind of the easiest part of the calling because that's the time that I'm just showing up and I'm just watching. But to make that happen, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that has to happen in the background. Yeah. 
to get those youth ready um, to be prepared to be able to lead that way. So yeah, I mean, most of the work for that to happen has to happen outside of that Sunday gathering or that Tuesday night gathering. So that's the gold standard. It was for me in my mm-hmm. mind from a leadership perspective. Yeah. Now, the reality is there's going to be a lot of reasons to talk, right? Hopefully that young man that's leading the discussion calls on me as bishop to offer some some comments or feedback. But that's all I'm doing. I'm not guiding or leading the discussion. He's doing that. On Tuesday night during an activity, maybe there's a young man that's not as engaged with everybody else. And so there could be a reason for me to go over there and interact with that young man and encourage him or talk with him or whatever the case is. But again, from a leadership perspective, ideally, um, I'm just able to sit back and watch. Yeah. And so for me, that's what letting them lead looked like. And again, a lot of work that it takes to get there. Um, one of, uh, one of the big things that we did to try to help coordinate and, and get them ready to be able to do that was every six months we held a planning conference. And this ended up being one of the favorite activities that they, that the youth participated in. What we would do is we would rent out a local scout cabin and we'd go up on Friday night. This is young men and young women. And we'd go up on Friday night. Um, the youth had Friday night to themselves. They could do whatever they wanted, goof off, play around there um, at the scout camp. Um, and then uh, me and the young men's and young women's leaders, we would sit down and do training. And then we'd get up the next morning, have breakfast, and we would spend about two to three hours planning out the next six months of activities. We'd wow. break up into deacons, teachers, and priest quorum. They'd break up into their young women's groups, um, and they'd plan out the next six months. Uh, one of the huge advantages of doing it that way is all of the kids are together. So if a if an older young woman's class wants to do an activity with the priest quorum, then they can just walk over and say, hey, we're planning this activity three months from now. Is this something you want to do with us? And we get that coordination started right at that point. And so we'd start with um, getting the activities all planned out for the next six months. And that gives them a roadmap of what we're going to be doing. And then as we met in presidency meetings and as we talked, uh, we would fine tune those as we came closer down to those activities. Um, So um, being really organized and having that laid out and an expectation for them was a huge part of being able to let them lead. And and what facility was this at where you did this? We did it at a local scout camp. Oh, okay. And I don't think we're still it, allowed to say the word scout anymore, but. Yeah. <laughs> and so you would just check the availability of that facility and and yep. and pay whatever fees are involved and then. Yeah, and we then, did. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was one of our, uh, it was it was a little bit of an expensive activity for us. We'd rent out two cabins and the young men and the adult uh, men leaders would sleep in one cabin and the young women and the uh, young women adult leaders would sleep in another cabin. Wow. Cost cool. us a couple hundred bucks for the weekend. Yeah. Um, but it's as silly as it is, it, it's a planning activity. That's all it is. But it became <laughs> one of the kids' favorite activities to do every six months. And we always had almost 100% attendance to that activity. Wow. Um, one, for the fun aspect. Um, but I think, two, then they had the opportunity to put their voice in um, for the activities they'd be doing over the course of the next six months. Yeah. And all the youth was invited. It wasn't just the presidencies. It was. It was all the youth. And again, we were small enough that oftentimes all the youth had some type of calling that would have involved them anyway. Um, Periodically, we'd have one or two um, that weren't and we'd still invite them and they had an equal voice in that discussion. Yeah, oh, I love that. And, and again, like you said, it might have been a little costly, but you you could accomplish so much just in that one weekend that, man, it probably saved a lot of time and, and effort elsewhere. 
Oh, it was so great. It was it was so good to have that done. And then what would happen is as soon as we were done with that planning conference, then somebody would have the responsibility to go put that on the church calendar. And so we just used the, the churchofjesuschrist.org calendar, and we would put all those activities out there for the next six months. And that was our communication piece to the parents. Hmm. And that was another important part of letting the kids lead. I had relatively little communication with the parents. I expected the youth to be the ones to pass that information along, which I know sounds super dangerous <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to leave that up to them. Um, but I think setting that expectation with them and, and wanting them to do that while also providing things like um, putting it on the church calendar so a parent can go out there and look at any time and see what's coming up. Yeah. Um, we also did hold parent meetings, and I can talk about that more here in a second, um, periodically to try to keep them up to date. But all the youth knew that my expectation was, I'm not going to tell your parents what's going on. That information is going to be shared with you, and you need to make sure that they know about it. Yeah. And um, so you do that every six months, and you leave there with uh, a, a list of activities and things you're going to do. Um, was there – I'm always curious how people approach the <laughs> – the budget idea of it, like the dynamic of it all. Cause I mean, maybe, Hey, we're going to go to Disneyland and then we're going to do this and that. And, you know, by the time they have these dynamic ideas, uh, it, it breaks the budget. Like, is there, what sort of guidance did you give them to help them, you know, put plans together, but that still met the budget and whatnot? Sure. So, um, I, before speaking to the budget, I was terrible at the budget component. I did not plan that very well with them. That was a huge area of opportunity for me. Um, but what we did is we gave them a framework of how they were going to plan the activities. So especially with my priest quorum, um, the guideline they had is one week was going to be a week of service. One week was going to be a, a fun physical activity. And one week was going to be some type of life skill. And then our fourth week was going to be um, the joint activity that we have with the, the young women. And so as they sat down to approach it, that was the, the framework that they um, planned within. Now, if I'd been really good, and, and this never really dawned on me until near the end of my service, I would have walked into that and said, okay, here's the budget you can have to plan these next six months of activities and let them do that. Um, yeah. The reality was they, did, they just kind of had an idea of what kind of stuff we could afford to do and not afford to do. And they generally did a good job of sticking within that framework. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, just from their past experience, we've done, I know we've done this and this before, so this new idea maybe seems in those on that same level and, and it works out. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and so, and then leaving that meeting, like as far as what happens between the every six months, you have that planning meeting and then the actual execution of each activity, were there additional meetings that would happen with uh, certain groups or how did that, how did that yeah, work so out? kind of the idea and the principle that we used is when they got together for presidency meetings, they were planning on a three-month calendar at that point. So in their presidency meeting, they would look three months out and they would see what activities do we have coming up? Do we have what plans do we need to start putting into place now? And what assignments do we need to make? And then two months out from that point, you know, these are the things that we've already assigned, where are we at? And then the mm -hmm. one month out, this is just, do we need to cover any basis to make sure we're done with this? Yeah. And so as they met in those presidency meetings on a monthly basis, they were working on a three-month calendar at that point. The activities were already in place. They were just starting to cement those uh, plans and, and resources that they needed more. Awesome. Love it. Anything else with uh, letting them lead that we haven't touched on? Oh, I got tons of stuff still in this because this is super okay, important let's, let's to keep me. Keep going. Where, do we, <laughs> so, where else do we go? Um, uh, 
uh, we just we've got to trust them. We've got to let them. We've got to let them lead. We have to unleash their power. And there's so many small things that we can do to do that. Um, one example is our young men have responsibility for the sacrament, and so our priests obviously have responsibility for blessing. Our teachers have responsibility for preparing that sacrament. And we've got to be willing to let those young men fulfill those responsibilities. So, so often I'll see where if sacrament isn't quite set up yet, then I start seeing some adult leaders jump in and want to get it set up because they want it to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. And I'm glad it's set up and, and we want it to be reverent and, and ready and um, for the congregation, not be a distraction, be setting up late. But the better principle is let's teach the teachers that they need to be there and have it set up early and if they're not, let's be willing to let them fail once or twice. Mm-hmm. Let's let them learn that responsibility. And if we let them have that responsibility, they will step up. And same thing with my priest quorum. Um, they, they have responsibility to make sure somebody is scheduled to bless the sacrament. And if somebody doesn't show up at the last minute, that is their responsibility to make sure it's covered and, and works amongst themselves to take care of it. Um, I remember a couple, a few years ago, I was attending a um, stake summer camp is when we were still involved with scouts. And we had a a group of the stake that was put together and um, they had called a senior patrol leader to be responsible for that whole entire stake unit. And we were at a meeting one night and they wanted to have a testimony meeting. And so the leader, uh, the stake leader, had turned the time over to the senior patrol leader um, to lead that testimony meeting. And it only took about four minutes into that um, testimony meeting for a bunch of adult leaders to start speaking. And I could just see right off the, I could see right away that as those adult leaders started speaking, the senior patrol leader felt like that responsibility had been taken away from him. Hmm. And so that was one of the things that uh, I constantly tried to teach to our youth leaders was as soon as an advisor speaks up, that effectively releases that youth leader from their responsibility. And yeah. we've got to be willing to just sit back and listen and let them lead in whatever that capacity is that we've asked them to lead. And it's just so hard sometimes as leaders for us to sit back and let them do that. Um, but it's important. It allows them to fulfill what they've been called and set apart to do. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really important. Mm-hmm. And then I guess just to further that, I, even at one point in time, um, this is going to be contrary to my statement that I, I, I always want to be with them. Um, we did hold parents meetings uh, for probably about a two year stretch. And the way that we scheduled it, that parents meeting was actually scheduled at the same time as my priest quorum presidency meeting. So there was actually a period of about two years where I didn't even attend my priest quorum presidency meeting. Um, but that was because I was able to prepare the young man that was going to lead that, and he was able to have that presidency meeting in my absence. Again, it takes a lot of work to have him ready to do that, but what a great experience for him to be able to lead and guide those presidency meetings um, without me needing to be there over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, and those, again, that's not something you did all the time, but as uh, every once in a while, that really helps them grow when they're they're swimming alone for a moment, right? As the circumstances allow and as, as the young man has that ability to be able to do that, it, it can be a great experience for them. Yeah. All right. And then connecting them with heaven. What does that look like? So to connect them with heaven, you know, as a, as a bishop or as a young woman's, young woman's president, you're just going to have those times where you receive the inspiration that you need. Of, uh, what do I need to teach the youth at this point in time? 
And so there was several different themes over the course of my service uh, that we chose to focus on. Um, one of them very early on uh, was talking about the importance of the sacrament. And we really wanted them to be connected with the importance of that uh, ordinance. We wanted sacrament meeting to be something meaningful and important to them. And when I say them, I mean the young men and the young women. That's something that uh, between me and the young women's president, we both wanted them to be able to have those opportunities and feel some kind of responsibility for it. So we held a, a bishop's youth discussion and we talked about the sacrament. We talked about the, the importance of it. We talked about what it means for them and everything. And we really emphasized their role and their responsibility to be able to set the tone uh, for sacrament meeting for the ward. Now, traditionally that comes from the young men's side, right? Because the, the young men are up there with the sacrament, preparing to pass it and, and prepare it and bless it and everything. Um, so we talked about that and, and the importance of having the sacrament prepared early and being in your seats early and, and setting that example. But then also we wanted to give the young women responsibilities to be able to help with that tone in sacrament meeting. And so what we did back then, um, this is when we still had beehives and, and Maya maids and laurels. Uh, we assigned or we extended callings to all of our beehives to be greeters. And then we assigned our Maya maids, we gave them callings to serve as the ward choristers. And then we assigned our laurels or gave them callings as what we called ministering assistants. And so the greeters, and that's pretty straightforward, they were the ones that greeted everybody with those beautiful smiles as you walk into the building. Mm -hmm. and, and that was just all of our beehives. They all received that calling. And then the uh, ward choristers, um, as 14 and 15-year-old young women, they had everything that goes with that. Not only were they standing in front and conducting the music, but they were also selecting the hymns. Um, they were part of the bishopric communications about here's the topics coming up and, and, and allowing them to be able to select uh, what we were going to sing um, to support those topics. And then the ministering assistance, that was probably the most unique thing that we needed that we did with that. Uh, we called all of our laurels as ministering assistants, and then each of them had specific responsibilities themselves. Um, some of these were sacrament related and some of them were not, but um, we had one uh, laurel that was called to sit on the stand with the bishop. So oftentimes we traditionally have a deacon or somebody that sits up there kind of as the bishop's messenger or whatever they used to call that. Um, but we had a, a laurel that sat up there with us and she had multiple responsibilities in addition to helping the bishop with whatever he needed. Um, she also reported back on some of the notes from ward council that were given to her. So if there were specific individuals that we were looking for and hoping were attending, um, she had the responsibility to provide that feedback of, was this person here? Were they not there? And, and kind of help the bishop out with those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, we had one of the laurels was actually assigned to attend ward council. And we'll talk more here in a moment about which ward council she attended. Not all of our ward councilors were the exact same, but she had an opportunity to attend some of them with us and take notes on who individuals were working with. And then another Laurel was assigned to uh, serve on the missionary committee and another one was called to serve on the Temple Family History Committee. Hmm. And so just, uh, again, giving them those roles and those responsibilities and the opportunity to um, connect them with heaven. Uh, the, the sacrament is that place where they can feel that a lot, not the most, but they can feel that a lot there, right? And so uh, we wanted them all to be connected from the young men to the young women. And so that was something that we focused on for a while and that continued through. Um, towards the end of my service, uh, me and the young women's president felt it was really important to talk about the temple and covenants and specifically the covenants that they were look forward, looking forward to. Um, not necessarily the ones that they had already fulfilled, but just what are the covenants that you're fulfilling? 
or will be um, committing to in the future and, and trying to help them understand what those are and help them look forward and have a desire to make those. And so again, with a Bishop's Youth discussion, kind of introduced that and, and had a lot of straightforward talk about the temple um, in as much as we can, but talk through the covenants, explained what those covenants are, what do the covenants mean? Um, and then going forward from that point, trying to tie our discussions um, that we had in Young Men's and Young Women's and relating them to those covenants that we'll make in the future. So I guess underneath that, to connect them with heaven umbrella, it's just always being open to that inspiration. And especially as a bishop, um, working in tandem with that young woman's president and seeing what is it that the youth uh, can and should and need to hear from us at this time. Yeah. And that's a, sometimes a little tricky because you want to give them more and more autonomy. You know, you want to step in and dictate what what it, what your agenda is, but at the same time, you still are the bishop and you still are receiving that inspiration and and there are those moments saying, hey, you know, we're going to do a thing where we talk about the temple, you know, and, and this is, uh, I feel impressed to go this way, so we're going to go that way, right? And then, but sure. nonetheless, it's one thing to do that while they still know, you know, this is, we still have a lot of opportunity to lead and and our voice is heard and, and uh, we're definitely involved rather than just getting dictates from from the adult leaders. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe kind of one of the best examples just to tie that back into, like the calendaring process. Recently, mm -hmm. sitting on a, a council of bishops, um, some bishops are struggling with how do we how do we help them plan activities? How do we give them a framework of activities? Again, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Here's your framework." You know, we want you to do service one week, we want you to do a, a fun activity one week, we want you to do a life skill one week. There's nothing wrong with setting a framework for them, and then within that mm -hmm. framework, allowing yeah. them to do whatever they want to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, great way to, to frame it is a framework. So <laughs> yeah. <pretty> good. <laughs> now, uh, I think the other thing was the uh, the ward council approach that you did. Well, so to to be able to be so involved with the youth, uh, you got to be willing and you got to be ready to um, let the ward council serve. And you know, in the email that we went uh, back and forth on, kind of my view of the ward council is that the ward council serves as the board for the ward. Uh, each of those individual members that are called to the ward council have a responsibility over the ward. The bishop has the young men, the young women's president has the young women, all the way through it. Um, and the bishop then kind of acts as the chairman of that board. You're, you're managing that board when you get together for ward councils, and you're helping to provide the support to that board that they need to support their individual organizations. Um, I had a previous uh, the stake president that was serving when I was called as bishop. Uh, one of the instructions that he taught us on was uh, it would be very appropriate as we extend a calling to somebody serving on the ward council, uh, again, to frame it as I would like to extend an invitation to you to serve as a member of the ward council with specific responsibility for the sisters in the ward. Hmm. So you're calling them as Relief Society president, but framing that as I need you to serve as a member, I would like you to serve as a member of the ward council with this specific area of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And so when we come together as a ward council, it's, it's, not, the, it's not the bishop's council. It's not uh, any individual member's council. It's a group of us that serve this congregation that we all have an individual and unique responsibility for. Yeah, yeah, that's really empowering and, and to frame it that way. Um, because it's so easy for these organizations to be in their silos, right? And then once a month or a couple times a month, they come together, but they're still sort of in their silos and they're sort of protecting their own, their own uh, boundaries here. You know, it's like, Hey, you know what, but we, we want our agenda to move forward. And then, but to see them and invite them into as a, as a group or a board or a council, 
with a unified objective, you know, that, that it's really empowering and enabling for that, uh, that group of people. It is for me. And again, as a, as a Bishop, um, we can't do it all. And I, yeah. I don't think that we've been asked to do it all, but we need to be willing to let each of those representatives um, be responsible for the organizations and the individuals that they've been called to serve. Yeah. Cool. Any, any other dynamics with the word council that, uh, that we haven't mentioned? Uh, I've got a whole list of principles to go through with them as well. All right, let's do it. Start at the top. All right. So uh, I, I've never heard the the be with them, let them lead and counsel or connect them with heaven connected to the word council. Um, but as I considered kind of how to present these principles, uh, this is, it, it really led me to that. So again, starting with be with them uh, as a bishop, we need to be with the word council. Now, if we read the handbook, I think it says we need to meet together frequently um, and it allows exceptions or whatever. Um, I guess I have to double check. I think it still says weekly, but now I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, sure. But the way that we chose to meet um, was we met one Sunday a month for the full bishopric agenda, or sorry, for the full ward council agenda. So if you look in the handbook, it lists all the different areas that could be covered in a ward council. And we chose to meet once a month with that full agenda in front of us. So we scheduled it for an hour. And that includes everything that's, that's typically in there. It talks about the calendar. It talks about temple family history, missionaries, sacrament meeting topics, um, teaching in the ward and the teacher councils and all the other assignments, the new members and everything else that we need to. So we met uh, once a month before church and just went through that entire agenda. And then the other weeks of the month, we just met directly after church and that was strictly focused on people. And so the charge that I gave to the ward council members was when we come together for that meeting, and it was meant to be about a 10-minute meeting, that every member of the ward council should come to that with um, somebody to report on that they or their um, presidency is going to be ministering to over the course of the next week. And really encouraging them to um, seek that inspiration and guidance they need of who is that individual that we can minister to over the course of this next week that will help them. And so when they came to that meeting, they would report back on whoever it was they had the previous week and then whoever they were going to reach out to the following week. And again, we just kept that to about 10 minutes. And we did that right after church every single week. Hmm. And that is the ward council that we would invite one of the young women to participate in. Um, she would be there with us and she would take notes on, on who each of the members of the ward council would be following up with or ministering to over the course of the week and be the secretary for us for that group. Um, so that's how we, that's how I was with them, uh, was we met uh, weekly, but we mixed up how we had those meetings and what we were focusing mm-hmm. on. Awesome. Any, any, anything else on your list there for the ward council? Um, well, well, now we got to get to let them lead. Oh, okay. That's uh, right. Uh, yeah. There's an order here. To, All right. There is. How, how did you do that? So uh, to let them lead, um, when we met together for that full monthly ward council, um, just about everybody had their own. Um, assignments on that agenda. So for example, the the Sunday school president, he had his portion about teaching in the ward. It wasn't the bishop talking about teaching in the ward or giving him assignments. It was his opportunity to have that. For the Temple Family History Review, the Elders Cormier Relief Society president would report back on whatever their counselor is working on. Um, For the Missionary Review, uh, same thing. And so just giving everybody a responsibility as again, as part of that board and having everybody be a contributing member of that council, everybody had their responsibilities. And then probably uh, the biggest empowering change to me um, to let the ward council members lead uh, was stepping back and allowing them to manage their own callings. 
So meaning, uh, for example, a, a Relief Society president feels inspiration to call somebody into the Relief Society organization. In a ward my size, when they do that, most of the time they're asking for somebody that's already serving in their organization. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's very typical that that person wants to call somebody. So they go to the bishop or the bishopric member and say, hey, I want to call this person to this calling. Then that bishopric bishop member goes to the other organization and all of a sudden you have this brokering going on and, and trying to manage people and get them to where they're supposed to be, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll trade you two first round draft picks if you can let, right? <laughs> exactly. So one of the things we did early on um, was we just told them, if you've got somebody that you want to call in your organization and they're serving another organization, then go to that ward council member and have a discussion. Ooh. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm, if, and I, I use the sisters as an example, just because uh, um, that's who we first implemented it with. And then they did, they did a fantastic job with it. You know, if, if the Relief Society president wanted Sister Jones from the primary, then she can go and talk to the primary and say, I, I feel inspired that she needs to serve in this calling, that she would do great. Here's the reasons why. And here's what we're thinking. What do you think? And let them have that discussion. And, and they mm -hmm. may or may not agree but then that's an opportunity for them to go through that process and pray about it and think about it and seek that inspiration of, we have this member of our ward who is serving, what is the best opportunity for her at this time and for those that we want her to serve? And then after they've gone through that process, then come back to the bishop or bishopric member and say, we've talked about it, we wanna make these changes, and then we can have our process as a bishopric, which generally mm -hmm. is we just need to have the discussion. Yes, I And so that. empowering the ward council to be able to have those discussions and, again, receive that inspiration themselves um, is a really big component to letting them lead. Love that. And and obviously it probably gets a little messy sometimes or, you know, there's different opinions involved and, and, and you know, it's good to have a system and, and encourage them to go sort of figure it out because I know there's a lot of bishoprics, some I've experienced myself, where so much time is taken up in bishopric meetings of trying to to staff the ward, right? And it's almost it's so easy just let the bishopric deal with it. They'll make the final call. But then that that disables so many others in the ward who are so capable. And so turning it over to them, I, I love that that process, which still leads to sometimes some messiness or some tough conversations or, or whatnot that have to be worked out. It absolutely does. But again, going back to this idea that we are all called to serve the members of this ward, not just yeah. the bishop. Yeah. And again, as a Relief Society, as an elders quorum president, as a Sunday school president, you've had your hands laid on your head to receive that inspiration as a member of this ward council for how can we best serve the members of this ward, not just how can I serve the members of my organization specifically. Awesome. Anything else with uh, letting them lead? Nope, that's it. And then connecting them with heaven, I think those principles just all get tied together. If if I, as a bishop, allow those ward council members to have those experiences themselves, that's going to connect them to heaven. If I allow them to have responsibility for those items on the agenda and, and they take advantage of that, they're going to have the opportunity to receive that inspiration. Um, again, as a bishop, and as you know, you can have wonderful experiences meeting with members of the ward in various situations. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure in those meetings you've had, your testimony was strengthened. You've seen Christ's love. You've felt that so many times through those. But how many of those situations that I have as a bishop can an elders quorum or Relief Society president have for themselves? We know there's certain situations as a bishop, I have to handle that. But there's a lot of situations where I don't. 
<laughs> and to allow the Elders Quorum and Relief Society presidents to have those, um, they're going to be able to experience the exact same things that I would feel as serving as a bishop and connect them to those that they've been called to serve. Love it. Love it. Did we cover it all, Justin? That is my entire page of notes. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I really appreciate the preparation that, that you took that went into this to so we could just go line line by line, you know, and, and get it all out. And you've given a lot for individuals, especially bishoprics or councils to really digest. And and here's the beauty of it is that maybe someone's listening to me like, no way, totally disagree with Justin, wouldn't do that way. And that's the beauty of the kingdom of God, right? Where we're we get our own inspiration and direction and uh, but this is just how one guy did it, right? And so hopefully it stimulates some thought and in, uh, further inspiration that might lead them in the same direction or maybe different direction. So it's all good, right? It is. And that's that's part of the beauty of, of just the way the church is set up. And that's what yeah. I, one of the things that I love about it is we each can receive the inspiration. We're all so unique in our circumstances and our congregations that as much as we listen to a podcast to find out what to do or as much <laughs> as we try to research and stuff, we, we can all still at the end of the day pray and seek that guidance and inspiration and we'll receive it. And it's not going to look the same for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, just the last question I have for you is as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? I've learned very intimately that everyone has their own path that they need to go down. And there are so many factors that go into the paths that they take um, that I need to be understanding and as respectful and loving as that as our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is. And no matter what path somebody chooses to go down, that God's hand is always outstretched towards us. And whatever path somebody is going down, when they turn around and, and look back at Jesus, he's gonna be there waiting for him. And I'm so grateful for those opportunities where I've been able to see that in other people's lives, where I've been able to see that in my own life. And it's just made me appreciate our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it strengthened my testimony of him as our Savior and Redeemer. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we, how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's, that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 to access our full Young Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And when the declaration was made concerning the only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.